This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. There are no spoilers in this episode outside of Legendborn. However, there are conversations surrounding sexual assault, grief, loss, and racism. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Legendborn by Tracy Dion, the book we decided to start because boy, oh boy, did we DNF <laughs> another one. And how much better of a payoff was this? I mean, I don't do not understand how this author has at the time of this recording, less than 9,000 followers on Instagram. I just cannot wait to sing this author's praises and this book. I loved it. On on par for me, I sent you a lot of reactions. It, it was it was good. I was at the edge of my seat. It was so sucked in right away. So we both went into this blind. All we had to go on was the publisher summary. And let me tell you, that's all that we needed. And I think it's really important right off the bat to acknowledge that um, we know that this book like was not written for us. Like we are not the target audience as like older, not person of color. You know, we know. But both of us, Jess and I grew up in the South. So we and both of us have been in North Carolina. So we <laughs> have um, lived a part of this like situation but obviously brie has her whole very different experience than us so we acknowledge that and we found a lot of other like aspects to relate to and this book is fantastic and everyone should read it um and just a note for the publisher summary like this is how we we basically went off into seeing it. Filled with mystery and an intriguingly rich magic system, Tracy Dion's YA contemporary fantasy, Legendborn, offers the dark allure of City of Bones with a modern-day twist on a classic legend and a lot of Southern black girl magic. That's all we needed. Sold. Immediately. Of course, you know City of Bones is Shadowhunter, so I was just like, yeah, and Southern black girl magic should be celebrated all the time, every day, forever. So, sold. Now, I know that I was not expecting an Arthur legend. Were you expecting an Arthur legend? No, I just knew that there was magic and college campus. That that was that was really all I needed. I was like, they already sounded better than the one because we were we were reading in a previous book, and I I don't want to put that book or author on blast. And we were like, we can't, we can't do this. I can't, it's taking us too long to get into. We, do we have a backup? And we. <laughs> decided the backup middle of the week i think it was like on a wednesday and we were supposed to record on the weekend and what a one i mean it's beautifully written from the beginning the characters we both also listened to this through um audible and the narrator did such a wonderful job i'm probably saying this incorrectly i wish there was an, a sound that i was saying it but janice abbott pratt she was the narrator for this book and i think we in our episode a couple weeks ago we talked about how audio reading versus like physically reading the book and bringing the characters to life and she did that for brie and for all the characters in this story and the plot i just was visualizing and i felt like i was wa- walking unc the whole time and, you know, we, both of us, Jess and I, went to college in the South. We grew up in the South. So here, I found it very comforting to hear a nice Southern kind of twang. It was just like, okay, this, this sets the scene. I can, I can feel it. Um, and of course, North Carolina, being North Carolina, Brie and her experiences. Oh my God. It, some of the things that happened to Brie make me want to jump through the pages 
and strangle people just on Bree's behalf. And I, and you know what? I, I'm sure people will read this and say, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. There's no way that that, that happened. Or like, I think, I do think some people feel like with reading, there's exaggerations with certain experiences and you know, it's not. I mean, we're in 2020 and it's still happening. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that and feel that that rage for somebody else, maybe that's time for for you to do some reflecting too, you know. And even in 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 one of the the page meetings, and I can't remember which character it was, she had even said, she goes, "Look, I do, you know. Sometimes I just put my head down. You have to pick and fight your battles." She goes, "I hear it because I'm white passing." And so people will say all these comments and microaggressions around me. And, you know, I just, you learn to pick and choose. And which was so sad. It's like how frustrating that must be to go through that, you know, to pick, you know, just be like, you know what? I I can't do it. You know, it's not even how exhausting on a regular basis. You can't shut it off. And that's a privilege that you have to acknowledge when, when you aren't experiencing that. So something that really jumped out, uh, actually, I think to both of us is Bree's absolutely stunning descriptions of grief and Bree kind of, I don't know, I really related to the way that Bree talked about like before Bree and after Bree and how after Bree, this is so uh, Bree's mother dies and, um, you know, Bree's very young and it had, you know, obviously this huge impact on her. And we, we kind of get this like magical, like mystery, you know, and that, that's kind of the plot of the book, more or less. And she talks about after her mom died, this, this like other Bree was like deep in her stomach and she would push her down all the time because all, all that was was like pain and rage and like frustration. And, and she, she knew that, uh, if, if she let that out, then she could never like put her back in. So Bree's kind of journey through grief and like self-discovery and acceptance was just so absolutely beautiful and something that I'm sure there's other books, you know, that deal with it, but it's kind of the first YA book. And this is very YA. I mean, no spice, no spice, very YA here. Um, it's so important. And I feel like young kids need something like this. Uh, cause, you know, you, you get a lot of the like dead parent trope bullshit. I, you know, that's my opinion, but this one where you're actually dealing with and, and going through this character's journey with grief was so refreshing and so lovely and so relatable. So like, even if you don't kind of relate to the racism or the racism kind of like sets you off guard or I, I don't even know. Cause like, I don't know, that shouldn't be an issue, but you can find something here to really relate to. And it uh, it was gorgeous. I would just can't stop saying how wonderful it was. I, yes to everything, you know, I could only continuously back you up in the portrayal of it and having almost that, I don't want to say acceptance, but it almost feels like there's an approval there like it's okay for you to have these reactions and i know it's part of the grieving process as you know people and we unfortunately find out but there's like a permission i think that's what's refreshing about that she gives herself permission and the writer gives us permission to understand where this where this person is coming from and like those internal thoughts when she's interacting with other people and interacting with other people. So um, if you have never lost somebody, then I could see where this would make you a little bit uncomfortable. But when people come up to you after you've lost somebody and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, is there anything that I can do? Uh, Brie is so fantastic and calling the bullshit when she sees it. She's just like, you don't fucking mean that. Of course, she doesn't say, you know, there are some F-bombs in here that yeah. I, I was a little surprised at. I was like, whoa. Well, it's like certain PG-13 movies that they're allowed to be PG-13. Um, but if they have more than X amount of, like with Hamilton on 
on Disney Plus, they took out, they had to take out like the third fuck or something. And you Hamilton. can't, um, 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 there's a documentary about this that I had to watch when I was in grad school. And for a PG 13 movie, you're allowed to say one fuck. Okay. Yes. Just wonderful. Okay. So let, let's dig into the plot a little bit. So something that is done so well is the like, gender neutrality through <gasps> everything and like the it, it's it's there but it's not a big deal because it's not a big deal because it's not a big deal it's it's very reflective to the world we're living in so why wouldn't her writing portray that like it, it just makes sense and I, and I loved it and there's a respect there also and it's and you could see that in the writing the the generational divide of Yes, that that makes total sense. And oh my God, what do you mean that this person prefers they them and not whatever other gender that that person identified with possibly previously? And even when so Alice Bree's best friend is gay, and it's not a thing because it's not a thing. Not a like thing. it's just oh my God, it's so wonderful. And then. Um, Selwyn uh, was in love with Nick and you know that's a little bit shocking but it's also like not right Right. I think I was just because of where how it before we got to that part of the story how his tail his character had been tailored so I didn't you know I didn't think that there and maybe that's me being close-minded and just becoming more aware he had been attracted to Brie this whole time. So I didn't have a different perspective. Yeah. It oh, it was lovely. And then like William. I was going to say when she woke up, he was talking about being in love and Brie. Her, she's just like, well, who's the lucky person? It was, There wasn't an assumption of who's the lucky guy or who's the lucky girl. She's like, who's the lucky person? And William continues to like go into his story. I just I, I thought it was just everything about this book was so, so well written. And I'm so happy that this is a book that has a target audience of YA. Because once again, if that's the target audience, imagine having books like this when we were growing up. You know, they didn't exist, number one. Or if they did, they were certainly not in our in our Southern libraries. Um, so I, I think it says something of people like there's people want these type of stories and i hate the conversation with you know that we've been seeing recently on tiktok and just bringing to light that publishers are saying otherwise oh yeah oh my god okay so this book has a secret society which i mean i love a secret society i love a secret society i mean we grew up the the first secret society movie that i saw was the skulls with um who was that like fucking joshua Joshua jackson Jackson. (laughs) so i have loved secret societies since i was a child so finding out that you know she's at uh unc chapel hill and there are secret societies and like she's she gets you know she kind of she kind of like forces her way in, but like more power to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's so good. Did I expect a King Arthur legend? No, I didn't. Uh did I expect to be um so in love with Cell uh, speaking Welsh? No, I didn't, but here we are. Oh my gosh. Well, let's talk about Cell Selwyn's intro. And I mean, I know I made a TikTok about it right off the bat. I was sold. It was sold. But just the description. I wouldn't do that if I were you. A wry voice from behind startles. I hadn't heard anyone approach through the underbrush, but a tall, dark haired boy leans casually against a tree arms over his chest, black combat boots, his ankles are crossed. He's unsettingly unsettingly beautiful. His face is aristocratic and sharp frame with high cheekbones, ink black hair that falls over his forehead. Swoon. That's it. So when I was sold, chapter one, take me with you. But then like just the Welsh, him speaking Welsh. And then at the end where he's like, you are my king now, Cariad. Swoon. <laughs> Who needs, who needs a fucking Chad at UNC when I have a king's mage at my disposal? So hot. Oh, God. So Carry on. I actually looked at I was like, I know it's going to be a term of, term of endearment. So I just want to know what it meant. And the definition is darling or sweetheart. But in Welsh, it means love. Ah. It's like, 
you're my king now, love. I was like, oh, he, yes. So there's like my lovey, the lovey part of it. But let's make it known that this isn't a love story. This isn't a romance. There is, this is plot heavy. Very plot heavy. And I will say there is, there, there's a tiny bit of romance, right? Like, but it's not like it's central to the plot in that it spurs Nick to like, to, to like sack up, right? The love is the catalyst for it to keep certain parts of the plot moving. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I don't trust blondes. I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust blondes. As soon as Nick was introduced and he was like, yeah, I like looked up your schedule and I like did all this stuff. And Bree's like, you're a fucking stalker. Call him out on his shit, girl. Yeah. And, you know, he's blonde. He's got the the like sapphire blue eyes. Now she's like, I don't try. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. And that, but, you know, he turns out to be a really good guy. He is. And, you know, and Selwyn even says that he goes, it's part of his. He goes, it's one of the many reasons why I fell in love with him um, it's just part of Nick's irresistible charm so like you know it's not disingenuine he truly is a good guy at, 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 his, at his heart Ugh. which is why he didn't even want to be affiliated with all of this order bullshit right so the, so the order the secret society it's it's a society of uh, King Arthur and the round table and there's knights and they are it's very complicated. It took me a while to catch on. So like their their bloodlines are and their powers are like passed down through generations and there's like a like one person is an heir. Yeah, so the the direct descendant of the line of the knights of the round table is called a scion. And then the scions have squires. And then if the squire, like, and each scion chooses a squire. And once that bond is accepted, like, there's a little magic that happens. And they're bonded for life. And at the same time, that scion squire also takes whatever power that that knight had. And, you know, each knight is known for, like, this knight is known for speed and this one is known for healing. And this, So there's a bunch of different, you know, factors going on. But that squire takes on their scions. And then it's almost like that becomes part of, like, they become part of that lineage in a way. And then at, below squire are pages and they're basically pages. They're basically, like, people trying to be chosen as they're, they're pledges. a squire. Yeah, they're, they're pledges. pledges. Yeah, I think I even said, I was like, oh, they're PNMs. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pledges. So the pages are pledges. And what what's really cool about this is they're, so the, the order fights demons. Like, cool. You know, there's gates and there's demons. Something that I did find a little hard to believe is like the demons are all like animals. It's like a demon bear, a demon fox, a demon oh, panther. yeah, they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Hell fox. Yeah, hell, hell fox. Hell, hell dog, you know, hell, hell hound. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, that Whatever. that's that's like a weird kind of thing. That, that's the only criticism yeah. that we're really having. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, take that as what it is. Um, but so something that I found really interesting is this, the secret society, this fights demons, and they've been doing it since like the 10th century or whatever and like Arthur and so the it's been this like ongoing war against the demons and it, it's kind of like building up to this huge kind of end of days battle and the scions get get like called and possessed by their knights in like order of importance so like something bad starts to happen like the lowest ones get called and then up the ladder it goes and then when the big battle is about to happen, you know, this, you know, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but leading up to it, like Arthur's the last one to be called and he hasn't been called in like, you know, however many years. O over 200 years. Like right. there's this whole like behind the scenes battle. And that's why you have the ranks because you have the least important. And I think the quote unquote least important is considered is the healer. He's the first to call, but that makes sense because he's the first. He's going to be like, look, I'm going to kind of manage everybody who might start fighting. I need to have these powers available and become accustomed to them. So something that is also really interesting is let's all remember that these are so like Bree is 16, which was difficult for me. Um, she's in like an advanced, uh, like early college program. So she's allowed 
to live in the dorms and like go to classes and like that's really cool and she's there with her best friend Alice which is really cool and um she's young and Nick is older and like Selwyn is older like everybody else is older than her and she even says like you know, I'm 16. I use this girl's fake ID. The guy didn't even question it because he's like face blind to black right. people. I was just like, wow, that's wow. Yeah. Okay. Because we've used fake. Well, you know, hypothetically, we've used hi- <laughs> fake IDs. I remember. Okay. So here's, here's fun fact for me in college. I didn't have like a legal ID. Because I was so young and, you know, I, I started school early and then I skipped grades and then I took advanced college classes in high school. So by the time I got so I, I grad, you know, I was I was 16 my senior year of high school and then going into freshman year of college dorming, by the way. So I, I, I this I'm not saying I did anything bad. I would just say I don't have my ID, but here's my student ID. And at the time where we went to school in Florida, everything was 18 to enter, 21, 21 to, drink. to drink. So there's an assumption, well, college ID is fine because who's not at least 18 in college? Yeah, that's, well, there's my little tandy trick. So there's, that clearly isn't how things work anymore, but it got, it, it got me to do things that I wanted to do. So I think maybe that's where yeah, reading about her being 16 and young and still in high school is weird. But at the same time, I'm like, in a way, I did that, you know? I think it was weirder uh, just, like, for me reading it because at the end, like, all these people die, right? A bunch of people <sighs> die. And, and you're like, wow, these are that, young, ha- that young escalated kids. really quickly. Yeah. And, and it, they just, like, they just start, like, falling and you're like damn these are i'm not gonna say children they're like young you know like young adults adults. you know like teenagers like later life teenagers i guess whatever but like it's it's really something and young adults who have already been exposed to so much yeah they so the the secret society is you know like most secret societies um old white rich people and that you know their families have been in it for thousands of years so you know it's steeped in like tradition and prejudice a lot of that and it's yeah these people have been trained their whole life for this that's what nick says right he's like i was homeschooled so that my dad could train me i picked up a sword like as soon as i could you know, Cell was brought to me when he was very young and like we worked together and this has been my destiny. And I've always known that. Uh, of course, we find out that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Nick's destiny. Holy shit. Did you see that coming? No, I, I, I did what you did. So you were like, you know, I, uh, he's not going to be able like he can't pull the sword out of the stone. Um, it didn't budge for him. But then you were like, oh, but, you know, what if Brie does it? What if Brie does it? And, of course, Brie does. And, um, God, what a moment. What a Chill. moment at the end. Oh, you were all Because, you know, we, we love, we love, whether you're joining now or if you've been following, y'all know we love ourselves powerful, strong women who are recognizing that they are a force to be reckoned with and i love that she even says that uh, you know she has that little mini mantra that she says to herself at the end where she's like survive resist and thrive and i'm like that should what a mantra like we should all be saying that to ourselves thrive that's that's so good you don't hear that very Mm -hmm. often you know like thrive and something that i really love is that so Bree's mother in the beginning of the book dies and, and Bree, you know, finds out that she went to UNC Chapel Hill and she wants to go there. And she has this feeling that it wasn't an accident because she, um, saw some magic around one of the like police officers that were there. And she can see, um, what, what, what is it called? Uh, ether? Ether. Yeah. I was like, Ethel, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, ether. She can see ether, which is like, you know, like magic in essence. But it's it's really fantastic 
that Bree is her magic system is root and the connected white to the earth connected to the earth and the white folk is like ether and like blood magic and it it's like very very separate but uh we find out very very beautifully uh that one of Bree's ancestors begged the 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 earth the root uh to protect her as she was fleeing and she sliced her palm open she says it was a deep cut on her palm and if you know me at all you know that's a pet fucking peeve of mine Ugh. and then but she you know she has her very bloody palm and she like presses it into the earth and she's like you know please help me please 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 and then um her ancestor like makes a deal like uh yes the like spirits of the earth and like the ancestors will help you but you know for forever you can only have one daughter at a time and you'll die early like that is the the trade off the curse kind yeah, of thing it's, like, it's, it's the curse like for like or you know whatever traditional thing tropes magic tropes we're saying here so Bree's magic her root is completely different from you know everybody else that practices root and it kind of um unsettles her therapist right like she her therapist is is i don't want to say biased or prejudiced but she is a little bit right like she she's like you know don't don't call it ether that's what they call it like we call it root but then we find out that you know Bree's ancestor did the blood magic so she's more kind of on it's, right, it's, where like blood magic not even blood like root magic is kind of like this general thing, but her direct line is kind of what started root magic. So she, that's yeah. kind of my takeaway because she eventually connects with her grandmother, very Bonnie Grams oh, relationship. Very, very. Uh, we love Bonnie and Grams. Um, and she was like, "Grandma, help me!" And she's like, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on getting somebody from like you know somebody you know." And I think you know just based on lineage she's just like well, who are you getting like why is this taking so long and she's like oh i'm going to like the og of this mm-hmm. whole thing <laughs> and of course she like makes a spectacular appearance and you find the history and it's really nice to to have that insight and to see where you find out her her line started from like the original where she you know and you find out you find out the big plot twist not even a twist. It was just like such, I don't know what to call it. Cause I didn't, I, I, I don't know. Was it, it's not considered a plot twist. I was just like, Oh, didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know, I think when they're in the cave and they're in their fighting and, and Brie has this like an internal like monologue. She has this like, you know, it's, she says she has like three other heartbeats inside of her, right? Because mm-hmm. Brie turns out to be a medium, which is just so cool so she has her grandmother in her she has arthur plot twist in her and then she has like the og in her too right so mm-hmm. it's it's like she has like three heartbeats inside of her and three people speaking to her at all times and not including her own thoughts of her probably just trying to be like hold on you guys which eventually happened she's like i don't want to keep fighting i don't want all this death to keep happening hold hold the beat for real and so the the kind of like cool thing is if you know the the legend of Arthur, so it's like Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot. And Lancelot's like his right hand man and most trusted knight. Guinevere has an affair with Lancelot. That is the the myth. We know this, but in in this, I don't even want to. It's not a retelling. Just in this version, I guess. Um, Nick and his family. Uh, claim to be the scion of Arthur. And we find out that that's not true. Nick is actually the scion of Lancelot because the ancestors did exactly what Arthur, like the ancestors did exactly what the OGs did, right? Right. And then, so the lineages were switched. But they were switched because they didn't want to, they, they, whoever the parentage was they didn't want it to be like oh nick isn't a lancelot he need because of the affair like he's definitely a davis and so this whole time they had made the assumption that he was part of arthur's line 
Ugh, it's so good. It's so good. I did not see that at all. It was such a good way to start the day. No, when when Bree's original ancestor was like, okay, you know, there's, um, she's she's talking to Bree. She's like, there's one more person, and you know, it's it's going to be a responsibility. It's a responsibility that I never had. But are you ready? And Bree said, like, yes, I'm ready. And then she like unlocks Arthur, which I thought was really cool, and also like kind of weird but like none of the other knights had been locked up like uh, when no, arthur no. comes out that means it's like camlan so it's like the final battle like war is upon us no that's that's not that's not i mean yes but like that's not what i was thinking i was thinking it's kind of weird that she's powerful because there's a white man inside of her like making oh. right like i but you know are they were all white men you know like Oh, God. And also something that kind of stuck to me is Arthur was like, switch to sinister, switch to sinister. You know, the left hand is evil. And oh, she's like, and like the left hand yeah. is the devil's hand. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not left handed. But I guess Arthur was left handed. And she's like, it feels so natural in my left hand. I was just like, that's a really cool detail that, you know, didn't have to be in there. But that, you know, it's historical. It was, it was cool. It was really cool. It was really cool. I liked it. It was really cool. And I like just the whole thing of how things were integrated it just felt so seamless. It was seamless. And captivating the whole time. Like, I, you know, I'd only get frustrated that I had to put the book down because I was falling asleep. And I'd have to rewind. I'm like, wait, where did I leave off? And that was my only frustration when I had to put the book down because I had to work. <laughs> <laughs> work. <Aye>. Ah! <laughs> Something else that's really seamless in this book is the little details about Brie and her hair. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's so wonderful. Just the the thought ab- about it and like the care and the love and the description and how like, you know, it's a, it's a hair washing day for Brie and she deep conditioned and then she, you know, wrapped it up and then did her nails while she waited. And at the end it was, her hair was curly and bouncy and shiny and she felt fresh and new and just like everything, had, like she had scrubbed away everything and like her hair reflected that. And it was gorgeous and just something that I didn't have growing up, obviously, like, again, this isn't for me, but just think of how impactful that will be or is i'm sure for a young generation where that is celebrated and mm. i especially liked when brie um you know the white girls are touching her hair she's like oh. don't don't touch my hair it's like what yeah Why don't would touch you your do- hair yeah don't touch your hair when they when it started saying that that line I reacted before seeing brie's reaction like, you don't do that well, like, don't. why would you do that at all. Yeah. Like, I'm still so, oh, these people, I'm like, you are the reason you give so many people a bad name that I, I just get so frustrated, especially in this book. And I'm like, you're, this is, where's the boundaries? Where's the respect and who, the audacity that you think you have over anybody else to be acting like this? Oh, it's horrible. And then uh, the the old ladies of the Rose Society or whatever. Just assuming Ugh. that she was. Or how about where they were. Uh, they were uh, just pieces of shit. They somebody was like uh, somebody even said like, oh, this affirmative action bullshit. Like, why is she here? I was going to put like I was going to punch a wall. And the fact she even said I wanted to smash the damn scalloped potatoes in his face. I want to scream that preferential treatment for vassals. And rich kids is exactly how they're there. I, because yes, because this goes back to the whole secret society, patriarchal society. I mean, we later find out that Nick's father had basically conspired this whole war to happen. And she goes, he saw me as, um, two faults for my race and my gender. And I go, and like, there you have intersectionality right there. And she goes, these aren't my faults. These are my strengths. And I am more than this man can comprehend because the fucking patriarchy. And they even say, um, I think er- earlier on, they're like, you know, 
and now we let women in and now, you know, you know, they used to just be the Rose Society, but now they're in and, you know, it all took a turn when that happened. It's like, shut the fuck up. Who are you? Yeah. Like, come on. So we needed to start this, the, you know, everybody's just been kind of, you know, loose about everything because there's nothing serious going on. So we had to ma- we had to create a war so you can realize that women aren't strong and race is awful and what? Well, and Nick, something, God, I hate Nick's father, but like, talk yeah. about like impotence, right? Like he wasn't called to be, like Arthur didn't call him, right? And he lived with like that weird inferiority complex his whole life. And he's like, no, 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 no. Now, like Nick, Nick's going to do it and I'm going to rule through Nick. And that's Nick's father's bullshit because there were obviously other people in his line before him that aren't that weren't like, oh, we need to have a war. Like there's not a war happening every generation of quote unquote Arthur Scions. Why? (laughs) What is going on? Just old, white, rich men feeling impotent and needing to create a war to feel important like is that not history that is like all of history jesus christ history is doomed to repeat itself and it's like still not learning let's let's still not learning okay so obviously we love selwyn selwyn has a kind of tragic story with his mother and of course Bree has a tragic story with her mother and they kind of learn everything together um at the same time when they break in to the davis's like house and they're going through all the redacted files and stuff and we find out later that selwyn's mom and Bree's mom were really good friends How and is so sweet and like selwyn's mom checked up on her and and selwyn's mom was the one at the hospital um, because one of Bree's like powers that she has that she gained like through her ancestors was being able to resist glamours, which is a huge part of the secret society. Uh, so her she keeps her memories and um, it just the whole the whole thought of like the mages like Merlin being like a demon, right? Like- well, let's go into that because I mean, we know about we've been talking about the characters We've given a little bit of background on what a scion is or what the lineage of the round table is. Let's kind of dive into like the backstory of a king's mage and Merlin, like how Selwyn came to be who he is and his role in all of this. Selwyn is the king's mage descended from, you know, mages. He's very powerful. So they're all descended from Merlin. Uh, so we all know who Merlin is. Merlin, Arthur, Lancelot, Guinevere. Those are the ones. Demon. Interesting, kind of cool. That's how I'm going to like see it forever now. It's like Merlin, you demon, you. Merlin and his demon sex. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's demon sex. Demon sex. Demon sex. Well, because did you Bree's just whisper embarrassed. demon sex? <laughs> Bree's embarrassed and she whispers it. Oh, it's so funny. It's like incub- incubi and succubi. Do you know what those are? It's like, oh, demon sex. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So they're like a line of demons, which is interesting. Because they, the secret society, like, fights demons, right? Well, I, what's also sad is that, okay, so each Arthur, I'll say Arthur, each scion from Arthur's line receives a king's mage. We find out that Nick's father has a king's mage. His name is Isaac. It's Isaac Faye. There are two things that made me ask that, make me ask that, because at one point she goes, I noticed his slightly pointed ears. And then the t- I noticed the tips of his ears that were slightly pointed. And then she talks about having canines slash fangs about Isaac's. So now I'm and I looked on Goodreads and I don't know how accurate that is right now. But there is this currently a second legend born slated for 2022. So I don't know if that's something that might be discovered then. And then also, once a squire, scion, and mage essentially are called, that's basically being said, okay, now your your lifespan has been cut short from what we currently know. And you typically don't live past 35. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Right. <laughs> However, the book ends with us questioning that. Did you pick up on that? I didn't. 
No, I didn't. Because Bree's mom passes away recently. Like, she's mm-hmm. still, like, high schoolish because she had just applied to the UNC program. Yeah. And so she makes the connection of Selwyn's mom using the ether to try to, like, glamour her, to mesmer her. And uh, Sel says that doesn't make sense because if he... If she, that that happened recently, that would mean she's still alive. I just thought that that's because he thought she was dead because she was like institutionalized and like taken away. That's how I read it. But I think she like she was dead institutionalized because of like the whole magic thing is how I took it as just like how everybody else gets called. That's how like there was the assumption that she's dead. And she's like, all that all these assumptions come from what we've been told. Mm. But everything that we've been told, like, look at me standing here. Arthur Sion. Yeah, it's like all a lie, Everything, right? yeah, like everything is everything a lie now. And I, I, I'm excited because that, because you can see like that's where he goes like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That would mean this for us and blah, blah, blah. She goes, I know, which is why I'm telling you and only you and away from everybody because this affects us. Honestly, no, I was more focused on the, the beautiful framework of Brie not jumping off of the, not jumping off into the quarry in the beginning and then t- taking her running leap. And you knew she was like doing yeah. something for her. I liked that moment. And that's how it ends. That's, that's how, it how it ends. ends. It's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Yes. Selwyn. Selwyn. Oh my gosh. So Selwyn and Brie like have that immediate connection. Right. And, and something that I really like about it is that they play up that the King's mages are they're very powerful and like cells very powerful, but they have a tendency to like succumb to their demon side and that manifests in, you know, certain ways like paranoia and like all all these kind of things. And that ends up happening because cell kind of fixates on Bree and is like, you're different. I don't know why, like, are you demon? Like, what is it? And, um, but that's not the case. It, it's just, it's really, really lovely. You know what I loved? I love their fucking scavenger hunt. When they're together, like going through, they're like in the music school and they're like all over campus doing the scavenger hunt, just the two of them. Like, I really love that. And then they end up in the tunnels and like, that was really cool. There's this part and it's, I don't know if it's just because this line has, and scene has traumatized me in Hollywood is he was trying to carry Brie for something. And Brie's like, no, I don't want you to carry me like that. And he goes, well, how do you want me to carry you? And she's like, piggyback. And he goes, like that movie. And you know, I was like, he means Twilight. He means Twilight. That's like, that's how I thought in my head. Because you know how Bella goes on Edward and he's like, hold on, spider monkey. Ugh, cringe. <laughs> I, I hate that part so much. I hate that part so much. But then he later goes, you, you gotta let me breathe. I'm not a, I'm, it's not like I'm a vampire. And I was like, he did mean that movie. It's like wink, wink. <laughs> it's just like, oh my, oh my. <laughs> um, something that is really, really, lo- I mean, the whole book is lovely, but something that's really lovely is Brie and her emotions. Um, when she is looking at the lineage wall in the basement, right? And she gets so angry because she doesn't at this point like know where she comes from because obviously we know because of the deal that her ancestor made, um, the the mothers die like young. Uh, so she she's looking at, you know, you could trace back your lineage like so far. And um, she's like, why not me? Like, where do I belong? Like, I don't belong here. And she doesn't feel like she belongs uh, with her therapist and you know, with the root practitioners, she just feels like an outsider. And um, I just, I, I really, really love that. I love Bree's memory walks with her ancestors. It's so incredibly powerful. Just this line of women. Ugh, gorgeous. And I, I really like the root, obviously, but how it's, um, it's an exchange. It's like a borrow. Right. So it, the, the order takes ether and root, uh, borrows and, and gives back. So you have to have offerings like fruit and, and honey and, you know, something to, to make the exchange. And, and it's just, 
It's just so fantastic. And what else is really fantastic is the mention of the Confederate statues and the graveyards where, you know, the, the, the people of color died and they're not marked, but you know that they're there. And it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's infuriating, but it's also really lovely for Brie to kind of like see and acknowledge and, and feel like their strength through her, you know? And like, all of this is coming together in Brie, like, all of these different things have merged to create her, and now she's going to, like, bring down everything and, and like, reform. And, and I think that is a kind of big theme in this. It's kind of, at the end, Brie as king, and she has, like, a circle of people around her that, like, love and support her. And then it's them against all of the, like, old stuffy white people, right? Because Tor at the end, like, I was not really expecting that, like, yeah, horrible... that, I feel like that came, I feel like that came from left field, which I think we've definitely have seen more in the last year and a half. People who've obs- suppressed kind of like these hidden biases and prejudices against other people. And I feel like we saw that at the end with, from Tor at the end of this book. Well, what does she say? She says, she's not my king. I mean, we've all heard that before, right? Yeah. Jesus. Um, and, and yeah, and like Tor, I, I and that wasn't even what set Brie off because it, it had nothing to do with being king. It was the blatant disrespect for her and, and not even her for Alice and Alice put Tor in her place and Selwyn had to like and William was already thinking like I like Alice we like her can she just like she's just gonna join in for the ride now Alice making sure that they were making cheesy grits so that Brie could have them when she woke up I was just like oh my god I love you so much cheesy grits cheesy grits cheesy grits with a little bit of salt yeah yeah a little bit of butter all about it yes um just fantastic and William being like she's your fucking king like this is what it is and of course, Nick, um, Nick is, is kidnapped, right, by his father yeah. and they don't know where he is. And it's this whole thing. And she's like, she's going to go get him back and like, you know, sell and all of this. It's just, mm, it's so powerful. It's like the, this young generation is going to go and just like stamp out all the crusty old people is just, uh, fucks like this and just continuously seeing this new generation. Just take a stand, you know, and push. Not that we, I feel like we tried to push back and I don't want to say we gave up, but we were suppressed even then. And we were raised in a, you don't speak up because that's disrespectful. At least the way we were, especially growing up in the South. And to see this new generation to be like, fuck tradition, fuck you, Respect is earned, not given. I just, I, I, there is hope. There is hope. You know, it's, you know, to have that strength at such a young age, I didn't have that. Something that is very unique to the South is Waffle House. And there is a, oh, I love when she's like, we want them smothered. I was like, like, you know how you want your hash browns. I personally like them chunked as well, like smother cover chunk. You know, that's me. Um, <laughs> this, the whole Waffle House scene with her dad was just so fantastic, right? They're both a little bit awkward. They both are dealing with their grief in like very separate ways. And I think that's something that is said, like his grief is not my grief and my grief is not his grief. Like it's, it's different, it's separate, but it's both very painful and it's about the same person. And it's just, it's really lovely because like in between all of that, they're like, you know, the menus are sticky and there's crumbs on the table. And, you know, we the the booths make that like like noise. Uh, that vinyl, yeah, like, I noise. have it in my head. Yeah. Like, you know exactly what that is. And like he orders <sighs> coffee and you like you and you know what Waffle House coffee tastes like. It's just oh, my God. This is making me want some Waffle House bacon right now. Oh, my God. And, like even the syrup. Like I'm somebody who always needs like 
I typically am bougie and I'm like, I love 100% pure maple syrup. It makes everything better. But Waffle House, that's, that's not what Waffle House is about. You go any hour of the day, you know what you're getting. But like, that's what you crave. You're like, you're not looking for a Michelin dinner. You're looking for a Waffle House. Let's get that all star, get that pecan waffle. Oh my gosh. So good. And I also really love how her dad like gives her, gives Brie her mom's charm bracelet. And of course we find out later that it's like spelled and there's a memory in it and that Sal's mom. Yeah. But. Um, just the way that they're talking to each other, like coming from a family that deals with grief in a very like negative, terrible way, um, seeing this healthy relationship and a very caring parent, right? Like he, he calls, he gets angry with her. Like he's worried about her. He comes up and like, but it's all coming from a very supportive place. And he acknowledges and like understands her feelings like as best as he can. It's just so, so fantastic. More of this, please. More positive parental figures in YA. Yeah, and and not in a overbearing sort of way either. Like, he could have easily, and I'm sure this happens in real life too, he could have easily held on to her to be like, well, your mom left. I can't let you go to, to this program. You're all I have. And be very codependent on her. Um, and kept her from this opportunity. And I just think that it's somehow as a parent, it still feels very selfless, but, but still like, you know, letting baby bird fly. And even with, you know, when their relationship was strained more in the beginning of the book, because like some of the things that she was getting in trouble for from the school and what have you, her friend was calling her dad out of concern to be like, I don't know where she is all hours of this day um and he'd be like don't get mad at her she's being a good friend and it kind of like helps you especially because let's remember she's 16 it's like check yourself because how many friends are really going to be reaching out to your family saying like what do i do next right like how do i approach this i don't think that i would do that honestly i don't think i would (laughs) well yeah usually we're all (laughs) we're all in there together but We, I should mention that, uh, when, when Jess says like she was dorming when she was in college, she was dorming down the hall from me. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> very uh, clear. Yeah. It wasn't like a, we, we dormed together. We rushed together. We, we pledged together. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we did all the things. We weren't calling each other's parents, but in, <laughs> in this setting, it is nice. But even now, like, I know there have been times where I've reached out to, you know, uh, recently I can think of um, where I was, I reached out to Sam and I was like, I need your advice on something and I don't know how to approach it. And it was the most helpful because I didn't. And it was like, how do I be completely vulnerable? And he's like, you're going to have to be completely vulnerable. Like, fuck up. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. And, and I, when I was reading this though, a couple of times I was like, God, Alice, why? Like, why, why are you, my, my, this is my first thought that just because I was raised, I was raised like snitches get stitches. So right. when, when she was snitching, I was like, why are you doing this? Like, yeah, uh, I right. Like, yeah, it's like, I know that she did the good thing and the right thing or what have you, whatever the right thing is. But then I, like you said, I also remember like if I was out on the field, passed out dying of alcohol poisoning someone was my best friend is right next to me or if we're like you know in the car or i mean how many like i just think of your birthday that one year (laughs) but you know that's that's the thing though communication is so enormous in just like all aspects so of course like we're older and we know the importance of communication but I, I do find it frustrating where it's like Alice is calling her dad and be like, well, she was out late at a party, but in reality, she was fighting demons, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, Alice, what are you doing? I, I have this, it, it's not like school. I'm doing this other like really important thing. It's like when um you're watching a movie and the the hero or whatever is trying to like save the world, but the cops stop them. For something right. stupid, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I, I have this really important mission that's going to affect, like, 
the lives of millions of people and you're 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 stopping me because I was like jaywalking. Like this isn't important right now. Well, that's what I'm going through with the the season I'm in with Vampire Diaries is Elena's, you know, parental figure for Jeremy. And they're like, oh, you're not doing well in your classes. And he goes, I've been bringing people back to life, trying not. He goes, so sorry if my GPA isn't my priority right now. And even Elena was like, oh, that's right. Like our life isn't normal. Yeah. Yeah. And But of course, at the end, this all gets resolved. Alice gets brought in. And, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with. And that communication is there. Ugh, good. Even slowly, where she just, even if she was like, look, I've been kind of tapped for the secret society. She's like, oh, I want to know more. And she's like, I can't tell you. But even just like divulging that little bit of information. And especially, you know, UNC private, like taking a step back. Let's take emotion out of it. If you get tapped for a secret society, not just at UNC, anywhere. The connections, networking connections that you will make outside post-graduation are invaluable. So like, again, take the emotion out of it. You're like, oh, okay, totally get it. Won't ask questions. Are you okay? Are you safe? Are you okay? That's all I want to know. Cool. You take a step back. Because we were just talking about this before the episode. How many people are graduating college and we we using the formula, work hard, go to college, get a job, but it's not that order anymore. Now we're just going to college to go to college at this point because... Yeah. Oh, God, that's the truth. Um, something that I really like with Alice, too, is that she is helpful with with mundane stuff. She's like, you know, what are you going to wear to the gala? Like, I I will help you. I told my parents that I would stay this weekend and I will help you get ready. And it's interesting because before before Brie kind of starts like dropping hints about what's going on, they are starting to drift apart and, you know, they're fighting and they get very angry with each other. And, you know, they almost get expelled uh, their first day because they get caught at the quarry and, um, yeah, it's, it's this whole thing, but like at the end, they're stronger than ever because they communicated with each other. And now they're, they're like this force to be reckoned with. And they're, you know, Alice is not a part of the society, like officially, but she kind of is. And, you know, they're all gung ho together. So it's like this sisterhood. Um, I don't think we mentioned that, uh, Alice is, is Asian, but like I didn't pick up on that immediately until they shared her last name. Yeah. Like it's, it's, like obviously it's important, but it, it but it's 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 not something that you have to make like this this huge point about because it, it they're they're just nah. people, right? Like it's we're all just people, and that's the frustrating thing is that you know, and which is why it's important that there are stories like this, and and like you said, like we might not be the target audience for this, but I think everybody should. It's a book. It's a good book. It's a good plot. I, I read it because it was good. And I think it, there, there's an importance there of kind of getting insight of, of different lived experiences that I still will, I, I can acknowledge that I will never experience, you know, and there is a privilege that comes to that. And then you have to, you should acknowledge that and understand that everybody's lived experiences. And I think that's important. That's, that's an important takeaway from this book as well. Oh, absolutely. The comment that Brie makes, like, I don't think anybody, of color feels a hundred percent safe with the police. It's like, yeah, yeah, that of course, right? Just yeah, and the 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 racism from the cop that they experienced in the beginning, and the the like racism from the dean and it's the dean of the school who's supposed to be complete. You know, it's just rage every time, and that. It goes under the radar for so long and it still goes under the radar because then you think of you think of interactions with law enforcement and that's just a small percentage of what we're seeing. That, you know, when people are able where people there is somebody else there who is able to capture the whole start to finish thing and not just like tailored snippets in the media, you know, and she's so young and uh... You know, to, uh, yeah, the dean just, ugh, what a 
dick face. God. Mm-hmm. I am so here for Brie and just just remaking everything. Well, then there's, like, uh, then there's like the racist moms in the, the thing. And I'm thinking of when they were like, she Brie can't be a, a, a a squire to Nick. Her blood is dirty. She'll taint the line. I like just to just that, just the, the verbiage in that. And then how great is it? I was like, guess what, bitch? I am You're the line. My yeah. Shit. yeah. Like I love, uh, there was just so like so much power in that. So I know that it's kind of a trope to have like a breakdown in the shower, right? Like everybody has their like breakdown. I love a shower breakdown. I, I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. It's so relatable. Uh, Brie has a breakdown in the shower after like pledge night, more or less. And um, her her power like comes out of her for the first time. Like after Brie really like comes out. And she has all this like mage flame around her and she's like scared and she doesn't know. And she says like, well, I wasn't planning on washing my hair tonight, but here we are. It's like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) good on her. But and then it comes full circle where she like embraces after Brie and she does, like we said, she jumps off the the cliff in the quarry. And um, of course, I love that. I was like, yeah. I would love to do that. <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. Uh, it's just it's just so wonderful. It's a wonderful book. Everybody should read this book. And mm. I just, if we, not the target audience, are this impacted and moved, I just, I'm that much more excited for for girls to be reading this and seeing themselves in this like I I I will never know what that feeling will be like you know I just think of like the small and this isn't even close Therese um of like people who are fat phobic and you see characters who are always like thin and like you know media and you know just the fact that I have two you know I have Bryce and Poppy like they're they're openly written that they are curvy thick you know medium size leans heavy like girls and they are worshipped you know and strong and have this sense of self and confidence and that to me I was like oh my god I've never read myself in a book before and to know that this is this book is going to have that much deeper of an impact for people is so I will never know what that feels like and that's going to be such a special thing to know that that is going to be what's happening especially since the characters that you mentioned Poppy and Bryce are like a like a new adult kind of thing so like you're not you don't find those characters until you're a little bit older right because they're 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 spicier so right. to, to have this specifically skewed YA, skewed young to to like have the young population find this is just it, it, it makes me happy. It, it, yeah, it, it's very very much so, yes. Yeah, you, you just have this like hope for for the younger generation to just I don't want to say burn it down, but like make it better, right? Like yeah. ugh. Oh, it's so good. Everybody needs to read this. Everybody needs to read this. Jess, thoughts? I, I've said it all. I, I Everybody needs to read this. I look forward to a reread. This is something that I'll definitely reread, especially from what, again, from what we know, there is supposedly a second book to come currently in 2022. And I will happily reread this to like get myself hyped up for the second book. I want to know more. I want to know more. It, it was just to be that, you know, it was very special and how she and how she takes this. And that's like so, that that's a similar overarching theme that we I feel like we have ourselves with these conversations about the strong women of like what they do once they know that they can do it. You know, like how exciting when you're like, I have this. I All this is at my fingertips. And now and now what? You know, it's so wonderful. I'm also very excited for a reread. I'm excited to really let like the magic system and and Bree's journey with her ancestors like kind of settle in me a little bit more because that that is 
what I really took away from it, as I said, like the ancestors and like finding out where you came from and like knowing your history and your backstory and like how that kind of influences how you are now and like just finding your place and then having that place be somewhere like unexpected and and just owning it and changing the world. Ugh. It's refreshing. It's so refreshing. Like I just, I, I guess I say refreshing in the fact that does it align with what we've been reading? Absolutely. But there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of books out there. There's a reason that this is the one that we're seeing compared to other ones, you know? And also it's, I think it's like our, you and me, like podcast wise, I think it's our first contemporary setting. Oh yeah. Right? Like, but yeah, I guess they're like real world, I guess. Because like, yeah, you could say other ones are like contemporary. You could argue Elfheim a little bit because they went to Target and Starbucks and they were in Portland, Maine. Yeah, but they weren't like in it. Yeah, they just kind of—I—I I know what you're saying. They like, like where flit this one... in and out of it, but here right. it's like there's nowhere else to go. Like this is you're this in stuff is happening in Chapel Hill. Yeah, like right, very clearly. You know, there's there. Did you? They... I, did, there was a part where they were talking about uh, Cell being in Asheville, and I was like, Asheville. Like, we've been there. Like we know where that is. Yeah, yeah. So as a and I'm not like a fan usually of like contemporary anything, but. Uh, this, this is, you know, an exception. Yeah. I mean, they compare it in, they compare it in the beginning to City of Glass, which is also like a contemporary that's set in New York, but like this just hit home and it hit so many, so many things that I wasn't expecting to hit. And if it did that for me, as we said, I can only imagine what it will do for the target audience. So everybody please read this book because you'll, you'll get, something out of it and that something will be glorious so thanks for joining us this week feel free to follow us on instagram at akafe podcast laura and i are both on tiktok at akafe laura and akafe jessica thanks bye bye